Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here. Joining me tonight, Gabrielle Starr. It is a crossover of the Locked On Nationals podcast and the Locked On Red Sox podcast, previewing an upcoming series and a live stream. Gabrielle, how are you? A whole lot to get to. Oh, my God. Josh, this is crazy. Guys, welcome to the crossover part one of Locked On Red Sox, Locked On Nationals. The real thing is happening Friday night after the game that will probably be happening, but who knows at this point. This is quite a week to be a baseball fan and a baseball podcaster. <laughs> I mean, just to be a sports fan in general, right? Like it's, yeah. it's been a, just a bizarre week for us. Baseball kind of going on today. There's three games happening today. And then last night it felt weird with some of the games not happening, some of them happening. And then now we're here today where a lot of the games have been postponed. There's teams jumping on Zooms. You know, the response has been mixed and, you know, from the players, like who is responding in what ways. So we're kind of just in this weird position. To be honest, I mean, I'm not even sure, you know, I think that we're going to have a series, but I'm not 110% sure we are going to have one. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because tomorrow is supposed to be the rescheduled Jackie Robinson day, which usually takes place in April. And yet here we are in a time when racial tensions in this country have not been higher, maybe at least in the last few years, at least in the last couple decades. So Jackie Robinson Day was rescheduled. Usually it's in April. This year it's obviously not in April because there was no baseball in April. It's happening tomorrow, August 20, August 28th. It's just a very interesting kind of, it's kind of all coming to a head during this time, which feels both fitting and just kind of crazy to look at how far baseball has come since 1947, but also still how far this world needs to go in terms of racial justice, racial equality. Um, and I mean, I just, it feels so surreal to be talking about any of this still. I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, with a global pandemic happening at the same time too. And, uh, you know, also know. A, a hurricane is hitting the, uh, the, the country as we speak. So it's all a weird spot. I mean, I, I think Jackie Robinson Day is, is a kind of a reason that they would play. You, you know, you can actually use the day for some positive messaging. And I think that would be something that they could, you know, that, that's going to happen. It's, it's crazy that we got here, that like, you know, it's that we got to a season actually happening after all this dispute about whether or not it would. And now we're here, you know, whether it be COVID knockout some games or now, you know, these, uh, you know, you know, the events that happened this past week in, in Kenosha, it's, it just seems like you don't know what's coming in 2020. And this is going to, this is going to be the year in the history books that gets like it's its own chapter. You know, it, you know, sometimes a few years get grouped together. Uh, this, this year is going to get its own chapter, maybe get two chapters because of how ridiculous. Oh my God, it's are you been. kidding? It's going to be an entire textbook. Uh, yeah. My entire book. <laughs> it, it might get that. There's so. so many like memes about, you know, it's like kids when they realize the entire textbook is just the first six months or now eight months of 2020. You're like, what has happened? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean Kobe the year's Bryant not even close away. to over yet. Kobe Bryant passing away feels like a year ago. And, you know, know. the NCAA tournament getting canceled, you know, in, in some ways for me, it feels like just yesterday, but also feels like it was such a long time ago. And uh, so much has happened. This is what, you know, change looks like. I think when you get kind of back to the issues, it's like change is chaotic. Change is not comfortable. And the Nationals tonight, you know, the uh, Nationals and the, and the Phillies are, are not playing. The Red Sox and aren't playing either. The Phillies and Nationals are, are having a team Zoom where both teams are going to go on Zoom together and talk. I think that's important. The ball is rolling, Gabrielle. I think it's the important thing is that the, the momentum is beginning to feel tangible. And I'm saddened by, by how we got here, but encouraged by kind of some of the results. 
Yeah. And I mean, just while we're talking about this, this account, Nick Albicoco, who is a student at the University of Maryland, according to his bio, tweeted out a video that was recorded from today's live stream that of the Mets. I obviously don't have the sound on, but the caption is, holy bleep, Rob Manfred is trying to force the Mets to pull a social justice awareness stunt tonight by having the players symbolically leave the field at 7-10 before returning an hour later to play at 8-10, even though the players don't want to play tonight. Yeah. And then, you know, Brody said Brady, that- yeah. Yeah, that MLB just doesn't get it at a leadership level. So um, we also might be looking at hopefully the removal of Rob Manfred as commissioner, which would be ideal for everyone except the billionaire owners. Right. I used to give him a pass just because I think a lot of times ownership is just, I mean, uh, commissioners are are a reflection of ownership. And I don't think, you know, like Roger Goodell was hated for a long time. And and especially in your your neck of the woods, he is not a well-liked guy but he's well-liked by 32 people and those are the owners because he's made them a lot of money. And so I think a lot of times commissioners are reflections of, of their ownership groups. Rob Manfred's just bad at this job. And, and I think a lot of us have said it as no, ad nauseum, like when he came out one week and said that he thought there would be a season and then one week, you know, the next week he's saying, I don't think there will be. It's just embarrassing that, that a commissioner would, would do that and, and try also to play it off as like a stunt to, you know, get players to try to do something. He's not a clever maneuverer. And you think for somebody who, you know, worked as a lawyer and I believe in labor, he'd understand the relationship sometimes between workers and uh, bosses. And he just fundamentally does not seem to understand it, does he? Like he just completely misses the boat a lot of the time. It's not even like just kind of like a laughing, joking stuff. It's like you, you just kind of watch each example and you're like, man, you're just missing the mark. And, you know, it's, it's. He called the it's World Series trophy a piece of metal and yeah. he's been punishing players for retaliating against the Astros, but he never retaliated again, but he never punished the Astros themselves. I mean, he threatened Bauer with either a suspension or a fine or something if he wore his free Joe Kelly cleats, but he never did anything to the Astros. And you just look at that and you're like, I mean, it's what Brody said today in the video. He just doesn't get it. And I mean, as many people in Major League Baseball have said to me before, Rob Manfred is here to protect the interests of the owners. He's not here to protect the players. He's not here to help the players make money. He's here to make the owners money. And you see that in the fact that teams like the Kansas City Royals, which were sold last year for over a billion dollars when they haven't had a winning season in years, he's making money for the owners. He is ruining the game in the process. You also see that in the downside of the Marlins being the first team since the 04 Expos to post lower than 1 million in home attendance in 2019. Teams but are suffering on a fan level and an experience level. Let's talk about 2018 when LSU baseball outdrew the Marlins in average attendance yep. too. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, 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 I mean, that's, you lot. mentioned earlier the, the Adam Silver thing about Adam Silver being like this glistening example. And he's not, he doesn't hit a hundred percent of the time. And as a commissioner, you never are, but People, I mean, Adam Silver's approval rating is really high. And if you're good with the players, you're probably going to do better off in the negotiations with them when you're, you know, when you, when you need more from them, when, you, when you're trying to, you know, to, to, to take more of the pot. And Manford has just, in my opinion, put himself in a bad position with the players, with, you know, with the fans. And I mean, is there anybody who views him positively? I even say the ownership right now can't be pleased with him. I mean, he has just nothing. I don't see anything that Manfred does as being good for the game. And I think that 
I know this sounds crazy, but I think that part of that is because Rob Manfred doesn't seem to be a baseball fan. I don't think that he grew up being a baseball fan. He is a lawyer who is here to make money for the owners and protect their interests. And you see that in the way that he has made so many rule changes that display that he just wants the games to go faster. But God forbid he starts a game at 6 p.m. instead of 7.30 p.m. so that more children can watch it. Or God forbid he issues a blanket statement that all kids under the age of five should get to go to a ball game for free if there are extra seats in that ballpark for that day's game. Things that would actually grow the game on a human level and aren't just about padding the pockets of people who are so rich that they wouldn't even notice if a million dollars fell out of their bank account. Yeah, and you also mentioned too, I mean, his, does he like baseball? He's, you know, growing the sport, trying to cripple the minor league system is not, is not going to help the sport. Major League Baseball is only played in 24 cities. So there's a lot of places in this country where, where access to a baseball game is minor league baseball. Where I'm from, Richmond, Virginia, double A baseball team. That's your access. You not extending a hand and trying to say, hey, what can we do not to make sure, you know, there is a minor league season, but what can we do to ensure the survive, financial survival of a lot of these clubs? Because some of them might go under. We don't know that yet. Well, you know, he, he has no interest in that. And it, the, the reason why I bring this up is because it, it's the pattern that, you know, manifests itself. I mean, I, I can't believe you just told me with the, you know, with what we saw from Dominic Smith last night, crying in a postgame interview, how you want them to play today? You want them to perform a PR stunt for you? How out of touch are you? Can you do anything correct? Because that is the exact opposite. If you were paying attention, this is the exact opposite thing that I would do to, to try and to get back in the fans' good graces, the players' good graces. It, it's, it's offensive to, to try to pull a stunt like that with a team that had a player who was obviously in a lot of emotional distress last night. And it's embarrassing, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like the list of things that Manfred has done, um, and I think it's funny, not funny, um, but you know, interesting that our supposed recording today has devolved into a Manfred conversation, but I could have them all day. I mean, you look at the three batter minimum rule, for example, and it's the perfect example of how Rob Manfred doesn't understand how a rule change can have an impact on the game of baseball. And he just does it anyway. Um, You know, because when you force a pitcher to stay in a game for a minimum of three batters, you're removing the authority of the manager to take a a batter, a pitcher in and out. You remove the pitcher batter matchups, which are in a way an art form, if though they are a lengthy and kind of annoying one, if you are playing against Kevin Cash and the Rays and he changes every single pitcher for or every Gabe single Kapler, batter. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or Gabe Kapler. The three batter minimum was, is a rule that removes control of the managers. It places control at the major league level. And you, the Red Sox saw that in literally the first game when they put in a guy and it was, and the rule is supposed to be to make the game faster because there will be fewer pitching changes. But the thing is that if a pitcher comes in and loads the bases and there are still zero outs, all you've done is actually created a longer inning for the guy who's going to have to come in now and clean up his mess. So you're actually making the game longer. It's not a very productive rule it just kind of ruins the creativity of the game. And there have been so many things like that, or, you know, only investigating the Astros and the Red Sox when there were ample, there was ample evidence against other teams and just picking and choosing because it was easier for you and you didn't want to do all the work and then wondering why there's still cheating in your league. There are, there's like a laundry list, the size of a CVS receipt on the day that your extra bucks hit of things that Rob Manfred has done to show that he is not worthy of his post and that he doesn't deserve it because the person who should be in charge of safeguarding something special and magical 
should be somebody who truly loves and appreciates it. And that doesn't mean that you can't be a good businessman and you can't protect the interests of the owners, but you can do both. And I'm not naive enough to think that that's difficult to find. But if you had someone like Bob, Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Negro Leagues Museum, who is insanely wise, smart, hardworking, qualified, and loves the game of baseball, a guy like that would make a much better commissioner of baseball because they actually have an appreciation for the game of baseball. The fact that there's no photo floating around of Rob Manfred in his little league uniform or pictures of Rob Manfred pre-commissioner era going to baseball games and enjoying himself. I'm like, where did we find this robot? Like, yeah, Gad- Goodell gets guy? that rap too. Yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of the Goodell. I've actually met Roger Goodell. Uh, so that's interesting. He's, he, was gets, he, a robot? he gets $500 haircuts. I, that's not shocking. A guy makes no, a lot of not. money. <laughs> I think one thing is because one thing we're going to do tomorrow night and I was going to create a, a list of questions that, you know, just, just fun things that we could answer during the game is what is your least favorite Rob Manfred moment? You have like three or four maybe that are your least, least favorites. I want to know what your number one is. We're going to figure that out. It might be three batter minimum, but, but we'll see. We'll see what, we'll see what yours is because I actually don't even know what mine is. I didn't think about it, uh, tomorrow night, but Rob Manfred, yeah. uh, I would think you said, you said not productive. And I think that's the best way to describe the last year, especially of his tenure as, um, as a commissioner, unproductive in, in so many different ways. Today's crossover episode of the Locked On Nationals and Locked On Red Sox podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for pros and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're always low. rockauto.com charges the lowest possible price rather than charging what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, once again, prices at RockAuto.com are always low. Go to RockAuto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Speaking of things that are unproductive, we have two teams. Our baseball playing. teams. Yes, we have two two teams playing tomorrow night. The basement dwellers in the respective Eastern divisions, the Nationals in the basement of the National League East at 11 and 17, the Red Sox in the basement of the AL East at 10 and 21. So, not a fun matchup, but that's why we're going to do a live stream and spruce it up. And yet, in a way, it kind of is a fun matchup because it's kind of like the Spider-Man versus Spider-Man it meme. Is, it is a Spider-Man No you, yes. no you. And it's yes. the two most recent World Series champions too. And they are both, well... We are now in year two of World Series fatigue, but I don't think you can really call it it because it's both the World Series fatigue turned into selling off all of our best players and then the rest of our best players being injured or sick. So, but last year was definitely, at least for a time, World Series fatigue, and now you guys are right there in it. Yeah, the Nationals. Yes, they're, yeah, they're, they're injured. They're banged up. Zimmerman didn't come back. Joe Ross decided not to come back. Strasburg got hurt in the beginning of the year. Stalin Castro hurt his wrist and was playing really well. So the Nationals have had a litany of injuries. And like Anthony Rendon being – it's just my opinion that Anthony Rendon is the most underappreciated baseball player of the last five years, and it's probably not close. You mean um, who's not named Mitch Moreland, right? Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. What Anthony Rendon meant, and you know, he's obviously gone now, but Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon was one of the more horrifying uh, things for a pitcher to have to face, especially you saw it in the playoffs. Those guys were, uh, they were dynamite. Soto also missing the first eight games of the season due to a false positive COVID test uh, makes you want to pull your hair out if you're a Nationals fan, especially seeing how he's raking right now so yeah the nationals not a great spot eric fetty and austin both are starting pitching which is not something that they 
wanted to have happen. Neither of those guys, you know, were going to be starters if the Nationals had their druthers at the beginning of the season. Now they are both starters. But it's, just, it's, it's that kind of season for a lot of teams. And the Nationals... At least you have starters. Right, I was going to say. The we Nationals, have a skeleton crew. Yeah, the Nationals, they have themselves to blame for some of their losses this season, too. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just... The Red Sox, the frustration is that a lot of these are just bad financial decisions from a couple years ago coming home to roost. Like they lowballed Mookie Betts with a bad extension offer after the 2018 World Series when he was literally the AL MVP and batting champion and a World Series champ coming off of one of the most incredible seasons any Red Sox player has ever had, not to mention he broke a ton of records that were set by guys like Ted Williams or tied those records and he was only 24 at the time. 25 and they offered him something low and when he said no I'm committed to free agency Dombrowski said all right I guess I have cash to burn and he goes out and extends Chris Sale even though Sale still had a year on his contract and gives Evaldi a very hefty extension and gives Steve Pierce a one-year deal for about six seven million dollars all of that money you know they're over the tax threshold for the second or third year in a row and that means that there's a hefty tax coming their way. And all of a sudden, a team owned by the third richest ownership group in all of pro sports is crying poor. And they have to, they don't have to, but they decide to trade off Mookie Betts, David Price, um, say goodbye to Rick Porcello, Brock Holt, which was totally unnecessary. um, And meanwhile, doing virtually nothing to recoup that in any way, shape or form. Tons of available pitchers. I mean, nothing, no one really, really ideal. I did hope that they would go for someone like Michael Waka, um, who was pretty good against them in the 2013 World Series when he was a rookie with the Cardinals. There were options. And I just kind of kept looking at the, uh, the boards when people are getting, you know, other teams are taking these pitchers for very affordable prices. And I'm like, so you, you just, we're not going to have a starting rotation this year. Our starting rotation is Nathan Evaldi, who has had numerous health issues. I love him. He's a total warrior. But if, I mean, he has had like on average a surgery every single year. He's had two Tommy Johns. When he's healthy, he's incredible, but you can't count on that. They acquired Martin Martin Perez, who has been excellent, but – you know, that's not a guy who's a frontline starter. He's just like, he's just not, you're not a guy, you know, it's like, he's a guy who will have a hot streak, but then he'll get cold again. And you want to tear your hair out. And you saw that with the twins last year. Um, And they're just lucky that right now he's, you know, having one of those hot streaks. He had like a seven inning start, his last start with like one run allowed. And that was it. And it was impeccable. And you see that, but then the other three games of the week, it's like, Starter TBA, starter TBA, starter TBA. Sounds like you guys are waiting for, the, for that Liverpool money to hit from the uh, from their championship run. The Henrys can get that money, get that into mm. the Red Sox, and uh, and revamp the roster because you, you you might hey they Liverpool winning is gonna make is gonna make the Henrys a, a lot of money. Maybe they can shift some of it over to the Red Sox. This As is if very the Red Sox un- don't already have three billion in the bank. right. Exactly, yeah. it's very uncharacteristic <laughs> of the Red Sox to see them not spending. As long as there's a plan in place, and I think it's one of the questions. That I guess a lot of Red Sox fans are asking. One of my good friends, Red Sox fan, is what is the plan exactly? Right? Like, what is the strategy here? Okay, we're two years removed from the World Series. Not a ton is, you know, not a ton of the best parts of that are, are still left, especially Mookie Betts. What is the plan? In a division that is growing, uh, you know, obviously more competitive by the day. I mean, the, the Red Sox are clearly far behind, and the Blue Jays are starting, you know, the Nationals got a good look at them for um, 
four games over this Blue season. Blue Jays are making moves. Too. Yeah, they're they they're an awesome Walker. young team. Uh, yeah, they're a really know, fun I, team to watch. Uh, they, he's got a lot of. I've really... been saying this since last year when they got Ryu. I was like, you know, honestly, if you think about it, I mean, and losing Bo Bichette is a is a real bummer. But obviously, yeah. Obviously, I mean, the abundance of young talent that they have, and then acquiring a guy like Ryu, now Walker. Um, the Blue Jays are the future of the American League East, and unless the Yankees can figure out how to stop getting every single player injured, which I think comes from a player development level of like these big guys like judge and Stanton. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but like you got to do more yoga. Like you can't just be hitting the weight bench every day because that's what's killing you is like, you have no flexibility. Not to go all Tom Brady with the pliability thing, but like these same, they keep having the same injuries. Um, I'm not going to include someone like Severino in that obviously, but there's clearly an issue there with, they have an abundance of talent, but the talent can't stay healthy. The Blue Jays are going to be the future stars of this division because the Red Sox will be in this hole for at least another season, partially. The Rays are not increasing their payroll, so they will always have limited options on what Oh, but they'll always find a way to, to be good, though. They're always, they'll they'll always, always find a way to win at least 90 games, right? I mean, they're, they're just... Kind of, they're kind of like a mosquito bite, you know? They're not big enough to damage your body, but they're going to annoy the hell out of you when you're dealing with them. <laughs> See, I, I view them differently because I, I, I admire them. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think you have to, like, you, like, on a serious, like, no, like, you look how many Rays people have been plucked and gone to other various places. It's like, it's like an Alabama football coach. It's like Nick Saban's coaching tree in, in, in college football. He's got, you know, guys everywhere. And it's just, been, it's impressive to see that no matter what you take from that team, it's such a well-run machine that it's like the Spurs. They just plug and play, and they're not plugging and playing anymore. I mean, I think their roster is like you know, they've got good players. The cost obviously is not super high, but the players they've got are a bit more proven commodities. I'm not sure how you felt, but I feel like the Rays could have won that game five last year against the Astros. Like they really felt like a team that belonged in that spot against the Astros, which is crazy to think because of how talented and, and how deep that team is. So Wow. I think the the Rays, it's scary, the Rays, Blue Jays, and the Yankees. And then the Orioles, obviously, long-term rebuild. But they've shown some signs of life this season. Uh, you know, they, they had their way with the Nationals for a three-game sweep at one point in time. And they took four or six. So, yeah, the Red Sox need to get things. They better have a plan in place. Now, you don't have to always get things going immediately. But they better have a, a, a plan for how they're going to get things together long-term. Yeah, I mean, I had this conversation with Aram Layton, our – Locked on Marlins and Locked on MLB Prospects host this Love week. Love Arm. Awesome. Uh, amazing Oh my God, guest. he's so amazing. Great. Such a great person. Amazing writer too. Just the best. I, yeah, the, one of my favorite things about this. We have, yes. One of my favorite things about being on this network is just that like every time I get to record with a, co-ho- with a fellow host, I'm just like blown away by how wonderful our network is. So that's great. Shout out Locked On. Yes. We were talking about prospects. We had an hour long conversation that I've been chopping up all throughout this week. <laughs> And I was just saying to him that, you know, the Red Sox are not known for developing players. That just hasn't been their thing for the most part over the last 20 or so years. When they do develop a player, oftentimes they end up leaving. Mookie Betts, John Lester, probably Jackie Bradley Jr. at the deadline next week. You know, and then they'll go out and trade for somebody who isn't as good and give them more money than the person like John, like David Price was a, a, re- a reaction to John Lester and they gave David Price the most lucrative pitching contract in history at the time. He was making $32 million a year. They offered John Lester something like $70 million over four years. 
you kind of look at that or, you know, having David Ortiz and not wanting to pay him and going out and acquiring Pablo Sandoval and giving him double the average annual value of a David Ortiz contract, stuff like that, where you just kind of look at them and you're like, what the hell are you doing? And this time around, while they do have some pitching prospects in the pipeline, they do have guys like Groom, Mata, guys like that who are you know, they do have some pitching prospects, but a lot of them are like low A level. They're not someone that you're looking to see anytime soon. And even if you do, there's no guarantee that once they get higher, they're going to be major league caliber. What you do have is a lot of major league caliber infielders. Our entire like triple A system is infielders. We have like 50 infielders. And I'm like, all right, so what you should be doing with this 60 game season where you have, you know, no chance of anything happening with you in the, in the postseason is bringing these guys up or at least, you know, really taking a look at them at the alternate training site and seeing if they're worth dealing for an arm or, you know, something, figure out who's going to be a part of your future and who isn't and get your game plan in place now, as opposed to waiting until the team waiting until a season actually counts. And then what, like, you're just going to scramble again. You're going to do this to Red Sox fans for a third year in a row. I know that sounds spoiled given teams like the Indians haven't won since 1948. I mean, Red Sox fans are just a different breed of crazy and a third year in a row, especially after a pandemic when you, I mean, it's kind of a blessing. We don't have to watch them in person, but at the same time, a third year in a row of this after losing Mookie Betts is not going to fly. They are going to revolt and I know it sounds spoiled. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, four championships in 20 and 15 years isn't, you know, a, an abundance of riches, but that's how it is. And I mean, it's also just bad business and bad baseball to have one of the biggest markets, one of the oldest franchises, the most historic ballpark in the entirety of baseball. And like, you're just going to put out a crappy product on the field because you can't figure out, I'm not a baseball executive. I can figure it out. So it's not brain surgery. Well, I think the frustrating thing is, right, they figured it out in the past. So that, that's, what makes it, that's what makes it challenging. And, you know, like you said, the World Series hangover, Nationals fans, you know, they're up, they're, that's why they're upset right now is because, you know, when, when you watch a championship team, you expect things like timely hitting, guy stepping up. And then when you see nights where, you know, you get the, like a 2 for 11 with runners in scoring position or an 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position or pitcher X, you know, you're seeing seven quality innings from starter and pitcher X goes four or five, gives up six runs. That's what gets, gets frustrating. And I think that's what's interesting for both these two teams is that they're in a place where, you know, I, the Red Sox are out of it. This series is actually huge for the Nationals. If the Nationals can get themselves, you know, I'm not saying a sweep, but if they can get – actually, they kind of need to sweep the Red Sox. The Nationals, like, really – they need to sweep the Red Sox because they're, they're 11 and 17. They're not getting any better. The Braves are, are kind of holding on to that spot. The Marlins have fallen back a little bit, and they're going for that, you know, that, that second spot for that automatic, automatic uh, bid and guarantee. The Nationals, they have to get going. So, I mean, if they can get a sweep against the Red Sox, they're still in this thing. Uh, but I doubt they will because, because this team putting together consistency. I mean, they've only won one series this entire season. So both our teams are um, – the fan bases aren't – our fan base is a bit more happy. You know, they'll take it, – it's okay. Strasburg's hurt. Pandemic, 60-game season. Juan Soto missed the first eight games. Everything. All things considered, not a bad spot to be in. But there are some things to complain about. The Red Sox, I think the fans are, yeah, a bit, a bit more hot under the collar is what I would say. Well, I mean, they always are. They're, and we, I mean, I would say we always are. But 
I mean, I think like you said with the Nationals, the frustrating thing is like you go from winning the World Series one year to then like falling off a cliff the next year. I mean, the Red Sox still had a winning percentage at the end of the year, but they went, they won 108 games in their World Series season and the Nationals demolished the Astros in an epic World Series. I think the frustrating thing is just knowing that your team is better, is should be better than it is because you've literally seen the exact same players. Obviously, both teams are without a lot of the players that they had during their World Series championships. But individual players who are coming over from that championship season, you've seen them be better than what they are right now. And so it's not like you're just holding them to a ridiculous standard. You're holding them to the standard that they set for themselves. They're, you know, you're going off of expectations that were handed to you by virtue of what this exact player did in the past. Yeah, I, I think both the t- both teams uh, are dealing with expectations. Like the Nationals have plenty of those players, whether it be Scherzer, who's been bad lately, uh, whether it's been Anibal Sanchez, who is more consistent than he is right now. 7.15 tomorrow night is when we're doing this, Gabrielle, on, let's see, we have so many places that it's going to be. On your Periscope, on my Periscope, on the Locked On <laughs> Live Periscope, yes. on Locked On's Facebook, on, let's see if I can, I'm trying to think of what else. Well, we're um, also going to retweet it to our official yeah, so locked be- on Twitters and everything. We're gonna so do everything. Your social media, give give the give the good folks your handles. So you guys can follow me and tune into our live tomorrow at seven fifteen on my personal Twitter at gfstarr one, and you can also tune into it on lo underscore Red Sox, which is the official Red Sox home on Twitter. And then for me, it's at Josh Neighbors underscore, and then at lo underscore Nationals for the Locked On Nationals feed. So we will have that tomorrow night, Friday night, um, August 28th, 7.15 p.m. is when we're going to start it. We're going to answer some of your questions if you guys have some, talk about the game, talk about baseball in general, uh, figure out what uh, Rob Manfred action is Gabrielle's least favorite. We're going to do our midseason awards too. It's over some teams 30 games, some teams not. But midseason awards right now for the MLB as well. It should be a fun time. I hope you guys join us for the – Nationals Red Sox watch along coming tomorrow night, 7.15 p.m. on all of the Locked On platforms.